0: Hello, and welcome to A New and Ancient Story. This is a podcast, a series of conversations, interviews, and occasionally speeches dedicated to the transformation of self and society. The basic idea is that we are moving from a story of separation to a new story, new for the dominant culture at least, of interbeing. What that means will become apparent as you listen to this series We explore things like technology, spirituality, agriculture, healing, economics, politics, ecology, relationships, education. I mean, pretty much everything that is undergoing a transition today as our old story nears collapse. If you want to engage these ideas more deeply, you can come to our website, charleseisenstein.net.
1: Thank you for seeing the mountains again. Yeah. Thank you for the water.
0: All right. I think we'll be good here. Sometimes when I am carrying a question and I like look at mountains like this, it's not that I get the answer to the question, but that the different questions that I hold in my mind wax and wane in importance and something that seems like so burningly important becomes less so
1: yeah I think that's why I live here in part or spend a great deal of time here because the nature is extreme and as humans we're really small here Mm-hmm. And it kind of gives a better proportion in terms of how as humans out in the world, we forget our proportional relationship to, to nature, at least that's my experience. And here I'm, I'm just humbled every day, you know, I just put in my place. Mm-hmm. And anything that I feel is <clears throat> so huge and so overwhelming I just take a breath and I go, really? How how long have these mountains been here and these rocks and these trees? And, you know, it's like a, a book can do that for me on occasion. Like, um, 1491 is mm-hmm. the book of what was this land before Old Columbus came. But not as quickly as actually being in a place like this. So I'm just really grateful for that and I want to offer that experience to other people, you know, if people don't have an experience that the earth is alive I, I want to take them to a volcano, you know, it's like a quick transmission or take them to a little spring that's coming out of nowhere in the ground and go leave them there for a long while.
0: Yeah. A lot of people come to you for uh, mentorship or rites of passage. They're in, you mentioned before, a state of turmoil. What do you think, uh, can you name what the turmoil is or how it appears? especially young people, but not limited to young people?
1: That's a tough question. Because turmoil is, for me, so much in the eye of the beholder. And so I I could do that maybe in a situation, um, or maybe with an individual, I could share with you what I see but I, I feel part of my uh, way in life is to see the gold, is to see the seed, even in what others are seeing as total chaos or turmoil. So within an individual who's um, labeled schizophrenic or psychotic, you know, I, I, I don't carry that definition, at least in my first being with them. I see the seed of gold in them and wellness in them. And and, you know, like the fires that came to California, you know, that was terror and turmoil for so many people. And I get it, I've lived through two fires, it's real. And I have to say the fire that came and took so many of the places that I spent so much of my life building at Ojai I I saw it as a blessing Mm -hmm. ultimately it was a blessing and it was the right thing at the right time and that is not to negate the suffering it is to um, again see the medicine of um, that kind of
0: Wildfire. I'm not sure what the root of turmoil is etymologically, but I think it has something to do with bubbling and boiling and turning over, and um, it's, it's, it definitely connotes movement. Mm-hmm. You know, something's moving inside you when you're in turmoil. Um,
1: So yeah, and and that's compost, that's the wound, that's the pain, and again, having been through my own journey with that in my life, um, how to carry through that time and have that be a gateway to the gifts, and this isn't new information, I mean, fortunately, there are a lot of people in this world that look for the gift in the wound. Right, And the gift in the turmoil or the gift even in the destruction and the extinction of our times, you know, um, it's getting really intense now to find the gift in the, the destruction that's happening in our world. And yet I still feel that's what I'm here at least to do. And so every... Difficult situation inside or outside, you know, to <clears throat> move through it, to go into it further, to have the space to go crazy. How many people I know, myself included, we go crazy from trying not to go crazy.
0: Right, trying to hold it together. Yeah. And you could say the same thing about our whole society. The whole quest for sustainability, for sustainable fuel sources, and so on, it's basically saying, how can we keep it going? How can we maintain the kind of society that we're accustomed to? How can we replace fossil fuels with some other fuel to fuel industrial civilization and to fuel the way of life that we're used to? And it's normal, I think, to, to cling to the familiar and to cling to what has been and to try to hold life together until one day you're exhausted. You can't do it anymore. And either you have to let go or it just feels like the time has come to let go. Well, or I just don't have like the motivation to, to hold on anymore.
1: Or it's impossible. You get old like me. Or it's you know? impossible. <laughs> You know, you have to face death. We have to face our own death. We have to face the death of this planet. And is that in 12 years or is it in, I don't know. But what am I willing to sacrifice or give up or change to have it be as healthy and as whole a place for as many beings here as possible? You know, I'm willing to give up travel you know, do-gooder travel, ecotourism travel, business travel, what if we set the staying home movement? Um, that's not happening right now as a response, but it could be. It could be. And what are the responses? I think each of us get to ask that in our own lives, and be in as much integrity with our care for life I guess and it means different things to different people
0: I'm going to return to the turmoil because people reach out to me all the time who are in great anguish because they're not in a position where they feel like they are contributing to to the healing of the world they They desperately desire to do that, and on the one hand, there's no economic support for the kind of things they want to do, and there may also be no place in the world, no job description that gives them the recognition and the resources that they would need to do that kind of work. So they're like, well, how do I make a living while doing the least harm? Uh, Least harm is not something to get you excited about life um, then maybe they'll go to oh, maybe they'll put off the decision by going to university or going to graduate school going, to some, going through some program but then they come out of the program and the same dilemma is waiting for them um, what do you like, what do you do with people like that?
1: I invite them out here into the desert to to fast and to enter a ceremony and really ask deeply um, what they're here for. And I invite them into a, a life prayer and intention. And I encourage them as best I can to say that, um, you know, they're not alone mm-hmm. um, and that they... I I go to my own uh, experience of giving up and recognizing in my life, no, I'm not going to save the earth. I'm not going to make a difference. Hitting that wall and then saying, well, then what do I do? And letting the answer come through rather than taking on a script Mm -hmm. that you or I or your parents gave us. An opening to uh, energy, a power, a commitment um, to create a job. You know, when I was in my 20s, the, the things that I felt called to do, they were not supported. I just started writing grants. I didn't know how to write a grant. I just started knocking on doors people didn't want to sit in council or do a rite of passage we had to go and explain to them what it was and and then maybe we'd get a little spare change thrown our way it's our responsibility i feel people who care deeply about um wanting to be part of the love or the healing or the care for this planet to create our worlds and to create our jobs and not to go out and make a living Mm-hmm. Um, but, to create a life that then changes what is acceptable or what is seen, and some of the things that we were doing back in the seventies and eighties now they are recognized a little bit more um, but we still have to work to explain what they are, what is a rite of passage or an initiation for a young person well let me let me tell you and let let some of the youth tell you what they've experienced. Why we offer these things to people is because we want that inner knowing and that imagination that is rediscovered in solitude to inform what is in our world. We look to the young ones when they come back from the mountain to create new livelihoods. Mm-hmm. And they're doing it. And it's not easy, but it is so. <laughs> it's real. That's not to say that no one can go and be a lawyer, or no one can go and, you know, have a picket fence. And, you know, if that's what that person is really here to do to create a nuclear family or to go and work and be um, a tech person. I'm not saying that that's not okay. I'm just saying, please, may we all check in and not just accept the scripts that we've been given by our culture or by our parents and really keep asking what is ours to do and where are we to be?
0: Yeah. I think that even if you do go become a lawyer and you're in the belly of the beast, that that question still will, will emerge. How do I create a life rather than just to live a life that's scripted for me? Because all of these, it's a fractal, you know? The same changes that are happening outside the institutions are wanting to happen inside of them as well. And people are going to be faced with the same dilemmas and the same same choices. Um, As soon as this fighter jet passes, I want to ask you.
1: Isn't that great to have a fighter jet here in paradise? Just just to say they don't fly over here every day that was for you Charles
0: uh-huh I'm yeah. honored <laughs> yeah I was
1: it's a strong reminder like even in some of these places that we think you know, they're most pristine and most special and where most solitude is. I, I kid, I say, I pay those fighter jets to fly over at a moment where you think, ah, because it's like that's here too and we cannot, we go to the mountain and come back from the mountain in order to go into the belly of the beast Right. with a strength that we can hold on to who we are and what we hold Precious.
0: Right, without losing ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've thought quite a lot about initiations and rites of passage. um, And one thing that has been uh, a sticking point for me is that in a healthy culture, if someone is initiated into adulthood or into some other stage of life, it's not just this individual experience but it's an experience for the community. You, you you first are separated from the normal routines of life in one way or another, and you go through the rite of passage, and then you come back, and everybody now understands that you've been through a transformational process. They might then, if it's an initiation into adulthood, now they see you as... A man or as a woman as an adult and so the different seeing of you helps to solidify the change that has happened within you whereas if it's if it's just like shipping off your kid to a rite of passage program or something and they go through it and they come back the way that society sees that is very different absolutely so, so what you're talking about what you're, and what you're building is more than just like, oh, you go away to some program.
1: You got it, Charles. It makes me so happy to hear you get that. And this is why, you know, I say sometimes if people ask, I'm a community activist because um, ultimately we, what we want to do, like what we, I've been doing a lot with people like the School of Lost Borders is training guides training people to go back to their communities and create these kinds of things there you know these programs um we're in a hybrid time between the world that's been and the world we want and programs are you know this isn't gonna work this is like the
0: the wind is gonna okay yeah it's gonna
1: so should we stop and go inside probably okay
0: yeah if we want to actually record something um yeah the wind is just going to destroy the yeah
1: i'd love to answer this question though because yeah. it's really important and we're answering it now on in news passageways a lot
0: all right let's just mosey inside
1: Yeah, we're doing a podcast, but the wind came. It's gorgeous. We're still like little kids. We get excited every day about the beauty here. Yeah. It's like we do not get tired of it.
0: Okay, so returning to the question of of like, how do you have real rites of passage when there's no community to recognize what's happened and to hold the person in the transformed state that the rite of passage brings them to. And you were saying that like part of your work is to actually build those communities.
1: Right. Yeah. So a couple of things. One is to focus on there are some places where people are doing it within their community mm-hmm. and to really... Uh, support those and water those, you know, strengthen those. Another is, um, like through the School of Lost Borders, we train guides so that they can go to their communities and create um, something there that's appropriate to their place and to their people. A third thing for me is in order to train guides, we need to have youth. And so we do one or two... Uh, groups with youth here each year and what comes for me in being with those young people and they range from ones that have been living out of their car and don't even have connection with their blood family to ones that are really embedded in communities actually where they do live so there's a wide range Mm -hmm. and so we um have a a practice of incorporation. And one of the things that's particularly important for me is to give them some, uh, I don't know, tools, some practices, um, such as counsel, and to encourage them to create their circles and their communities. So when they go home and we go out there and think, there's nobody there to see me. There's Mm -hmm. nobody there that will understand my story. Mm-hmm. that we actually break that belief. And we say, go out and find one person, maybe first, to tell your story to. And you create the special moment where they can really hear you and see you. We have to, um, we have to create those opportunities and that way widen the circle. And everywhere we go, whether we're young or old, I encourage people to create those community moments, even if they're for a couple of hours. Mm -hmm. And it's not uh, an answer to what you're saying. It's a path to creating the villages that um, will have elders and will uh, know how important it is for their youth to be welcomed in as adults.
0: Yeah. Yeah, And this is related to what we were talking about earlier about the, the um, maybe not quite as bad as it was in the '70s and '80s, but to a great extent that the life that allows the full expression of one's gifts toward healing of society and planet does not have ready-made positions to offer. So we have to create those, and the difficulty in creating those is that there's you know because they are so at odds with the dominant system, there are challenges to creating those. And one of the challenges is economic, Uh, those because what our society rewards economically is fundamentally things that will contribute to the expansion of the realm of goods and services. But it's not just economic difficulty because people who even people who have you know legacy money of some sort, you know, from family or you know, even even so, there's another challenge, which is society's non-valuing and non-recognition of the things that need to happen the most Mm -hmm. in the world. And especially for people who are really walking the edges. Uh, You know, society nowadays does value, or at least a large segment of society does value, you know, getting an environmental studies major and, um, you know, going to work formulating carbon policy or something like that. Uh, But that's not actually that edgy. In, In my view, the things that The planet needs the most right now, and that society needs the most right now, are much more thankless than that, um, from the perspective of the dominant system. Like people need to be out on the edges. So what we can do, maybe, and this is kind of what I'm what I'm trying to do in my just in my speaking and writing, to validate those choices, Mm -hmm. and every bit helps. Like if I can. If I can speak to those choices and embed them in a world story that in which they make sense, that can be really helpful to people. But I'm just one voice. And I think what is much, much more powerful is to have other people around you who have made similar choices and who say, you're not crazy for doing this. And yeah, it's hard. And yeah, like I might not have money to give you to to do guerrilla ecological restoration work, for example, Like, there are people out there who, like, illegally go into national forests and do, like, you know, slow down the water, you know, and do earth repair. Um, So, like, I can't pay you to do that. But at least I can tell you that you're not crazy. At least I can celebrate you. At least I can take inspiration from you and show you how you've inspired me. And I can give inspiration back to you. And I can create with you a feeling of alliance and partnership and membership in something bigger than ourselves. And it's not like an organization. You know, we're not starting a cult here, but we are coalescing around a set of ideas that hold a field that people can step into.
1: Well, you know I'm smiling as you're talking because you're singing my song back to me. And what comes in listening to you is uh, the the Noah's Ark. There's the mindfulness bell. (laughs) Great, I get to take another breath. Um, You know, for me, uh, I think of Noah's Ark because I think of, well, God, if you get one other person... You know, two animals that mm-hmm. see each other. That, maybe that's enough. And I guess when I was in my 20s, um, I, I didn't meet that many people who were making some of the choices I was making. And I felt very alone, as I know some people on the edge of life mm-hmm. um, do. And so that's when I turned to nature. And I want to say that another thing that we encourage and offer people when they're in the inner city and they feel alone is to remember the ceremony that they had of belonging to this earth. And even in the bowels or the, the density of a city, uh, you can see um, the moon or you can find a plant growing out of the pavement mm-hmm. that might be at a certain time the only mirror You get back. Yeah, but it is a reminder for something that some of the, some of us touch When we're alone in nature, right? And I think that it's important to When one is an edge walker, to know that you not you might not be thanked you might not be seen and to strengthen your knowing through these kinds of ways. yeah. And then what's come to me is what you're saying. If I know that there are people like Sabina at Tamara and um, even when we were doing the citizen diplomacy work in the Soviet Union and I was apart like you are from your partner for long periods of time, we would be apart, but I knew you know, my connection with him, and I knew what he was doing there, hmm. it, 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 like, sustained me. It nourished me. I did not feel the same kind of missing or longing. And so to know, even if we're not together in company all the time with kind of soul allies, that they're out there, that's also very encouraging. Yeah. And, and I think that's the global community, and that's not a replacement for the local community. I do think and I'm blessed to have you know a few people that see me or see parts of me that um keep me um moving through some tough situations and I think that's essential for people that are there's going to be edges every generation. You know, my edges as a woman in the 70s or 60s, 70s, and 80s were a lot different than the edges of, of uh, many people today mm-hmm. in our world.
0: Yeah, the, the solution or the path or the only path could not possibly be that you gather in an eco-village or an intentional community and live happily ever after. Uh, I mean, such places have a, a value as an oasis. Um, but, you know, if, if that's all we did, then eventually the world would close in on those places and destroy them. They have to be watering holes from which we go out into the world and serve even ourselves as an outpost around which that community can coalesce. And so it can have local anchor plates places, but it's also a global community. And as you were saying, it's not only a human community. And so part of the part of the sourcing of of sustenance and nourishment. Um, I'm not gonna say it has to be from nature, but given the frayed fabric of our society and the the disconnection and and the loneliness that we have, I think that it is a tremendous, tremendous ally. And as you were saying also, it's not just available out in a beautiful spot like this. Um, our friend Claudio said, um, you know, he's from a favela in Brazil. And he was like, there's no nature there at all, except but we have each other.
1: Yeah, And
0: that was enough for me to become an ecologist. Yeah. And I met this guy, uh, this Korean man who was imprisoned by the regime for, um, you know, he's a democracy protester back in the 80s, you know, and it was under martial law. They locked him up. You know, he was in prison and his, he said that his only friends in prison were the uh, flies, and he learned how to play with flies. Yeah, and he became an ecologist um, through the flies and the weeds in the prison yard, and the uh, the mice. You know, um,
1: I have to just tell you this <laughs> one story of this young kid that came to a, 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 a rite of passage here and. You know, he went out into the big mountains and the desert and, you know, total adventure person and, oh God, this is just going to be incredible. Mm -hmm. And he's going to see, you know, different rattlesnakes and wild animals and everything. And he came back after four days and he was like, his story, you know, they all have 20 minutes to share the highlights of their story just to begin to unwind it and to, to know it. And his story was all about the fly and mm-hmm. this fly that came every day. And he was sure that he got to know this fly and that it was the same fly. And and that was his medicine. You know, we teased him and called him fly boy. Uh-huh. And so whether, yeah, whether the intimate moment of connection is with a fly or with your lover or with, um, you know, the ocean, it's that connected feeling, that experience that is, at least for me and for many I know, a source and a resource to stay true to what, um, for what is of value and what is of preciousness to be cared for. And that means in everybody and in everything. And of course, it gets harder with our so-called enemies to find the gold there or mm-hmm. find the place of connection there but i feel like it gets harder for us because that's a gateway to um know this place more and cultivate this place more in our world yeah the other thing i i want to say and i've probably shared this with you before but it's really here now with this story of, you know, do you have to be in a beautiful place, or Mm -hmm. where can you find that? And um, I mean, yeah, you know this, but I'll just say it, in saying back the stories and experiences you've had, it's so important to honor and respect and see how it's possible to find it wherever you are. And not everybody has a chance to go for a ceremony, Mm and this way. Um, But, and, you know, one of our best guides had his ceremonial time and journey in prison, Mm -hmm. just as you're speaking to. So this is, um, rites of
0: passage like community are everywhere. We are immersed in a world of allies. And I think that when we become present to our desire, for community and our desire for intimate connection with the rest of life, that that awareness, that readiness and and that, that attention to the readiness is like a signal, it's a beacon that brings the allies to us, which is from the mechanistic view of the world, completely irrational. But from an animistic view of the world, it totally makes sense because if we, are, if we are indeed immersed in a world of beings, then everything that we say, do, and think is witnessed and taken note of. So even though like, you might be in the pit of despair, loneliness, um, feeling like you're in a cardboard world of matter and void, And you have no exit plan, no no feasible, realistic way that you're ever going to have community or that you're ever going to be connected to source. But if you hold that wanting, that yearning, it will attract notice. And you might get visited by a fly.
1: Yeah, and when you talk about, you know, some of us giving up um, or just... Um, compromising, um, or yeah, accepting um, something less than we know is possible. I I just say to people, how long did you try it? You know, how long did you hold that intention in prayer? You know, did you go to sleep at night and ask for a dream? And did you do it once or twice? I feel like sometimes this generation is impatient in Mm -hmm. a good way and there's also a downside to the impatience you know like some of the things that i prayed for and wanted 25 years ago and thought they were going to happen the next day are happening now in my life and i am just so grateful that i did not give up on that prayer and that intention so what is time
0: yeah The beings that that are aware of our prayers uh, I think sometimes that they they're getting a little fed up or a little skeptical because you know we pray for something we say we want it today but tomorrow we've totally forgotten about it or we, we pray for something we say we want it but then we do something that directly contradicts the thing that we say that we wanted mm. so they're like they're like, well, I really would like to grant your prayers, but I'm not sure what you want. Mm. You know, do you, do you, do you really want um, to live on a healed planet? Well, if so, then why are you using all those plastic bags? You know, mm. I'm not sure if I believe you. I'm not sure if I believe your prayer. So I think, and this isn't to say like, you know, that, that we should strive for purity, I think that purity comes as, or a, a move toward greater integrity and greater alignment comes through the, the giving attention to what we really want, to, which starts maybe with unearthing. Like, what, what do I really want? Why am I really here?
1: Well, that level of honesty, I think, is really important. And I can remember one of the first... Uh, Lakota uh, people that uh, I was able to do a lodge with I can remember them saying at the start you know oh you California people you know you pray for world peace and all this Mm -hmm. stuff you know get down if you need a truck and want a truck I want to hear you pray for a truck Yeah. And that was such a gateway to be honest, Mm -hmm. say what is true for you right now, because guess what? It could be that it will come. And when it comes, you will find the next thing and the next thing. But that thing that's called spiritual bypass, when people pray for, oh, I want everybody to be healed or "I Mm -hmm. I want everybody to be happy. And they're ignoring a truth in their own life, which is that they really want an intimate lover in mm-hmm. their life, and they do not have that. Mm-hmm. And then pray for that, and then see what comes, and then see what comes. Or own, say out loud what you really want, and find out, oh God, how disgusting is that? And find your relationship to it, and maybe go beyond it, or not. But I think what you know, many writers came up with a long time. I can't remember. You know, the author probably radical honesty. Fred Blanton. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. that's a pathway, um, and without that commitment to really be as honest as we are about who we are, we're not we're not um, activists. We're not healers. We're um, bypassing the truth, and that. Truth is a gateway.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. And if if that truth is not acknowledged, then there's going to be a hidden contradiction, which means that the person will be serving two contradictory goals at the same time, which means that their efforts will cancel out and nothing will happen.
1: One of the stories that comes to me that, um, yeah, I've used before because I feel the dolphins in my life came Mm for me to um, be with them and and use my experience with them to illustrate something. And when we were with Lily's Dolphins, uh, there were people that came and honestly said, we love these dolphins so much, we do not want to release them back to the wild. And yet, the people who had begun the project committed to release these dolphins back to the wild. And I came in with others to be true to that commitment to those two beings and when we got down to it it was really strong like to get honest about i love these dolphins too my love meant that i wanted them to swim free i did not want them to be in a concrete pool Mm -hmm. i wanted them that was loving them
0: yeah what is love actually you know let them go
1: Yeah. And not to say that I was so much better. The guy that worked with me, Rick O'Berry, you know, right at the end, you know, he said, well, you know, I have to say I am going to miss them. And I am. He was honest about Mm -hmm. it. And just the truth. Maybe I'm shut down or something, but I didn't miss them. I was just so happy that they were able to use their sonar again and blah, blah, blah. So this is um, different experiences of love at different times in our life and maybe in our growth or I don't even see it as a hierarchical continuum. You know, maybe um, I, I will miss them again. But at that time, my truth was that love meant letting them go. And that's, um, that's a gift I'll never forget. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe we stop for now.
0: Yeah, um, we can stop for now. I I feel like it's it's just kind of developing, you know. Like, um, I I feel really how we should do it is record like twenty hours of conversation, and then um, someone can put something together from that.
1: It's funny because Wynn last night said to me, he said, "You know, with you and Charles." He's a director, you know, yeah. yeah. and he thinks like that. I go, no, Charles and I just talk, you know. And right. He said, no, you both, you have enough to say that you should.
0: Yeah, that's what we should do. Because like with time and this kind of expansiveness, then like the gold. Yes, like I want to wanna go
1: to like, so what's the edge walker today? Yeah. And how, how do they resource? And yeah. what happens if they don't resource? Right. For them and for what they're. Affecting. Yeah. And and getting to like challenging this separation between spirituality and yeah. activism. Right. That's where I wanna go. Okay.
0: okay. We'll, we'll do, do it. it. Great. This has been a new and ancient story with your host, Charles Eisenstein. I offer this podcast in the spirit of the gift, by which I mean that I don't withhold premium content for a price or put up paywalls or do affiliate marketing or have advertising or anything like that. Instead, I rely on supporters like you. If you would like to support it, you can subscribe at charleseisenstein.net for a small monthly amount, or you can subscribe for free as well. Either way, you get the same content, everything's the same, and you'll be notified every time a new podcast comes out. Also on the site, you can find archived episodes along with everything else that I produce, essays, books, videos, online courses. Thank you very much for listening and I'll be with you again next time.